0: Welcome to Write Pack Radio. This is David Allen Lucas, your host, and we are continuing today with a conversation we started two weeks ago on traditional publishing versus self-publishing versus hybrid publishing. I personally write mysteries, horror, and poetry, and with me today is...
1: Jennifer Stolzer. I'm an author and illustrator. I specialize in YA and children as well.
2: I'm Peter Green. I write uh, biography with social history and uh, military history, and... Patrick McKenna Mysteries.
3: I'm T.W. Finley. I'm the author of Zero Time Historical Fantasy, and I've also got an audio book out named Jaguar Hope.
4: I'm Fedora Amos. I'm president of Greater St. Louis Sisters in Crime. I write humorous Victorian whodunits, starring Jemima McBustle, <laughs> And, of course, sometimes I get a very strange obsession a feeling that I absolutely must write something experimental, something strange, something modern. I usually sit down and wait until that feeling goes away. (laughs) However, sometimes I actually have to act upon it, and so I write short stories. But then, of course, I have nothing whatsoever to do with the short stories, so I send them to contests, like the... St. Louis Writers Guild contest, where I'm very proud to say that I was able to read my story at their winner's short story night last Tuesday amidst the rumbling of freight trains going by.
0: Mm-hmm. You yes. know, before I let the next person um, announce themselves, I'm just going to blame that on your muse, Suetonius. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, and the readers, if you, or listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back to our first episode on the muse and you will hear all about the muse Suetonius.
5: I'm Melanie Colaney. I write nonfiction and uh, sci fi and fantasy.
6: I'm Matt McGraw. I'm an amateur writer. I do short stories mostly. And uh, I'm working on a book called Patrick the Spider, which is not for children, <laughs> with uh, my cousin Jennifer.
1: It's for children, just. Particular children. Adult children. (laughs)
6: Parental guidance advice.
0: Children who who have
7: refused to grow up.
1: There we go.
7: Yes, I'm Brad R. Cook. Uh, I'm president of St. Louis Writers Guild, and congratulations to Fedora. You did a great job reading. Uh, I'm also a publisher at Blank Slate Press, and we are currently open to submissions. And I am a writer of historical fantasy, and my uh, first novel will be out later this year.
0: Yay! (laughs) Okay, and that actually really is a big thing. I don't want my sarcasm to ever sound
1: because it wasn't meant to be sarcastic. Quite all right. Sincere congratulations, It was sincere congratulations. I'm, I'm all excited. of this. Yes, very
6: sincere congratulations.
1: <laughs> two weeks. As they
6: week, stare at me ominously.
0: <laughs> two weeks ago, we started talking about the debate that's always been in existence, for a long time anyway. They got refanned by Donald Maas and, help me out. Joseph Conrad. Thank you, You're Joseph having. Conrad, And Hugh Owie. Digital book world. And, right. Yeah, the, and mortality. the debate was self-publishing versus traditional publishing. And I'm throwing in the hybrid publishing as another avenue of this in discussion. But we're going to get away from the actual debate itself today and go into how we were ending the last episode, which was a whole discussion on what are we marketing as, as writers, either traditionally published, self-published. Should Is there a difference in the focus of that marketing and in the, pers- in the writer's business plan? And I will turn it over from there.
7: Well, it's funny you should mention this. Uh, I'm actually currently in the process of creating a marketing packet for Blank Slate Press authors and stuff. And I actually start off with the tenant of there are two ways to market your book. One is for author. One is to market the author, the person who wrote the book, and the other is to market, obviously, the book, the story itself. Uh, we touched on that last time. There's a bunch of different ways you can do both. There are different ideas for doing both but to be honest i honestly think in this point in this day and age you kind of need to be doing both uh marketing
6: both yourself and the novel uh both reach different audiences but uh well i think it's it's mostly based on like what you've done before though i think because there's a natural tendency in uh any business especially these days to uh turn towards branding as a way to sell books or sell whatever it is you're selling to yes. people. and authors are brands. That's so, yeah, if you're like Stephen King, you know, you can just, they put the, his name bigger than the title yes. on the book. Mm. Right. Because, but then again, if well, Stephen King it.
5: wanted to write something completely non-horror, then maybe he'd want to write under a pseudonym.
0: Well, and that, that's a good good point, Derek. I was having a discussion with some very well-published authors the other day, and one being a New York Times bestseller, but most of the people sitting at this table know. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about a woman, I think it was a woman author, who actually made it big. She was writing a paranormal romance. Made it big is in she was selling really well in the, in the mid-list and one of the big houses picked her up and wanted her to write a tri- trilogy. Well, she wrote the first book and it was fun for her. But when she started writing the second book, she discovered this is not what she wanted to write. Hmm. So she had already branded herself into this pigeonhole, if you will, mm. of genre. And then she had to try and find a way back out of it two books later to be able to get back to writing what she wanted to. And that was a tough go. So here's a question. Write the of trilogy a... and move on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it was, Yeah, it was. according to the story that I was being told, the first book didn't require that much rewriting. But the next two took a lot more because our heart wasn't into it. Yeah. So let me th- ask this question of the group. As I... I believe a lot of our listeners are not big name authors, but either the mm-hmm. mid or those who are really just trying to break in. Do you pu- Do you advertise yourself before you have a book out there? And if so, how do you want to? What kind of branding do you want to do, or do you want to avoid branding?
4: I think absolutely you have to get yourself out there as soon as you decide to become a writer. Period. Create a uh, website for yourself, and it's not that hard to do. There are lots of ways that you can do it practically for free, if not for free. Even though those come with a bunch of ads and other things that are not that attractive, and certainly anybody can get on Blogspot and you can do all kinds of social media and create an audience for your product before you even have a product. And I think you have to.
0: I think that's where I'm at a lot of times. Even though I'm not, I've gotten a few things published. I'm still in that stage. And one thing I would say would. Fedora just says, is correct from my opinion, but be careful of one thing. Don't become a professional social networker if your goal is to be a professional writer. Mm-hmm. Keep it in balance. Yeah. Well, it's hard you have to, do. to have a product. To well, and, yeah, out. and that's I, it. Until yeah. you have a product,
7: I mean, you're selling yourself so far, but at some point, you're now losing business because you're attracting people in and you have nothing to offer them. Oh, like However, it people. is important. To start off ahead of time. I mean, they say at least six months you should, but I say as soon as yeah, you can before the book can. comes
2: out. Um, Brad, to begin to answer your question from my point of view, uh, at least what I've learned so far is that if you're writing nonfiction, it helps to market the author and his qualification to write the nonfiction. In the case of my World War II biography, I had 400 letters from my dad that my mother saved from World War II. And uh, that helped tremendously, and I think it adds to my credibility. In, uh, in my fiction, I, I market the books, but also a little bit myself, because I am, I'm a, an architect, and I write architectural mysteries. So uh, uh, in that case, I, I talk about all the skullduggery and things that an architect uh, or that works with engineers runs across <laughs> in the hidden infrastructure, you know, 70% or 90% of our city is hidden underground, and and that's where the people that are in charge of all that money and all that construction can do a world of of, uh, crazy deeds.
4: I think that's a very good point. What you're talking about there is the equivalent of a hook in a book. You need to start off with something that will grab interest, at least interest in a niche market of some description. And what you're talking about there is creating a platform, a group of people who is interested in whatever you have to say. Yeah. And that is the basis of a street team, if nothing else. Exactly.
1: And it's my opinion that there are are two tiers. You'll always sell books to your friends and family because they love you. And they should be (laughs) buying your books because they have to express their love for you somehow. But... The marketing yourself is kind of making a wider circle of friends and family. They buy it because they love you. Uh, When you have a book itself, there are plenty of people out there that don't care who you are and never will. That's when you need to start marketing what the book is about and what genre it's in and the tone... And try and hook the people that are looking for something to read, not necessarily someone to read. Right, and
2: what's different and special and unique about that book Mm. that makes it better or more interesting than all the others. And
1: if you're lucky, that group of fans will then jump into your friend group after they read your book because they enjoy your sense of humor, your voice, your interests. And then they'll become the friend and family group and are interested in your personal advertisement. So I guess my opinion is do both. While you don't have a book... Focus on you, and when you do have a book, focus on that with also not forgetting you. You right. well,
0: definitely don't want to forget yourself because one thing, a lot of the really successful writers are the ones that still reach out to the fans mm-hmm. and will respond uh-huh. to the fans. They don't hire, well, I'm gonna sit here and hire Brad to answer all my emails and post on my Facebook. That, I will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk price level. But no, on the serious Yeah. On the serious side. Fans really want to hear from the author themselves yes. or, and hear, if they write an email, they want an au- it's email back.
7: interacting with your reader. Let's and it's really important to maintaining yourself as a writer throughout your career because these people, I mean, to be honest, your core readership should really be a group of friends. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that as in your personal friends. <laughs> I mean that is in the people who are your biggest, you know, fans, the people who are going to read every single one of your books. You know, you want to build a connection with them. Uh, There are plenty of writers who have, you know, some really amazing fan bases. And for any of you who don't know it, I'm going to call out Heather Brewer and her minions.
1: Um,
7: I mean, it is an amazing group of fans, and they're virulent, and they they love her, and she loves them right back. And And they get her books everywhere. They get her books everywhere. And that's going to happen. I mean, people who voraciously love you are going to tell everyone they know about you. And, And that's why, you know, but to be honest, and, you know as we were saying earlier about the difference between marketing a book and marketing the author, um, the story can reach a huge number of people. You can reach a huge number of people. Those aren't necessarily going to be the same people. Mm-hmm. Oh. And, and that's why, you're, you know, the whole point of marketing is to find as many different avenues you can to reach out to different people. Because you already have a core group that you know. Your book has a core group that it's going to reach. But guess what? There's probably a sub-theme in your book that might attract another core group of people. And if you can pull those people in, that's more book sales. And the more people you can pull into a broadening universe of either yourself and what you do, or the story and how many different roads it takes, that's marketing.
0: Melanie, you had a question?
5: Well, I was just thinking, it, this gets complicated when you write very different types of books. Charlene Harris has Mm -hmm. written... Okay, there's commonalities, but there's differences in the types of series she wrote. She wrote them at different points in her time. Mm -hmm. But let's say she was writing... I'm just thinking of two of her series, the one she's most famous for is the Suki Stackhouse series, mm-hmm. but, most
0: True Blood, right? Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. But before that, she wrote
0: mystery series, I don't know. Yeah, Southern name.
5: Mystery series. Mm-hmm. One like of the them The
0: Librarian. No, oh. that was the other one. No, that, that was, was Aurora Tea
5: Garden. Oh, I forget yeah. the name of that one, but she that's also that, wrote that, another one, that, one that, with that. Shakespeare in all the titles. Hmm. But anyway, those all three of those they were all mysteries, but they were very different types of mysteries, and mm-hmm. there were some commonalities. But frankly, if you write, like the True Blood, you wouldn't necessarily like the Aurora Tea Garden, and vice versa mm-hmm. is definitely true. My mom loves mm-hmm. the Aurora Tea Garden ones, but she wouldn't like True Blood. So marketing that, all yeah, would
7: you're be not trying different. to market the same. Like you're trying to market a book to a person. Right, Not but, my entire collection but to a person. Actually, this is, I'd love to market in my entire collection to a person, but I can't guarantee they're going to love every book I've ever written. But, the, but the, they're going to yeah. love that book. Mm-hmm. And then there are other people who are going to love this book. And guess what? Now you've got two people who love you. You know, And you've got two different groups.
5: The problem with that is, for instance, I have found True Blood books mm-hmm. in the mystery section right next to the Aurora Tea Garden books oh, yeah. in the library. <laughs> and it really disturbs certain people, not of my age group, that they pick up a book that they think it's a lighthearted mystery, and it turns out to be horror, paranormal horror. Yeah. Well,
7: and... But, I mean, that's also about where the books are going to be in a bookstore because they're all labeled by author. And a
4: lot of people will change the name. Exactly. You can have a
7: pseudonym for your different ones. But to be honest, you know, there's nothing wrong with having different genres laid out that you're kind of passing back and forth on. It's something you can totally do. You just have to realize that maybe you're not going to carry every audience over, but you're going to carry some.
4: May I say something? Tell you a little story. This is about how old marketing plans really don't work very well and so today the advice is go to as many different ways as you possibly can. Old time Harlequin, which was one of the big paperback publishers, I have a friend who writes for Harlequin Historicals. Five years ago she was debuted in a package I don't know if you know what a package mm-hmm. is, but mm-hmm. basically it's that uh, it's pre-sold stuff, like teacups or whatever, that are sent to Costco and to Walmart. Yeah. And they don't care what the books are anymore than they care what the napkins look like. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's just products to them. They put them on their shelves, and then four or six weeks later, they rip off the covers of those that aren't sold, destroy the rest of it, send the covers back, and that's their model. Her packaging sales for the first book were 9,000-plus copies. Unknown, 9,000-plus copies is not too bad. Mm -hmm. She's still in that same program. The most recent one was less than 5,000. It's showing you pretty clearly that that it's a model that no longer works. It's a marketing model that does not work. They have to find others at the big publishing houses, and we have kind of a jump on them because we don't have that background to start with. Mm
0: -hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned the old style one and one of the things we talked about i think fedora just said is you got to market yourself every way you, every way you can in modern day but i've got a caveat to that and let me ask this question on that marketing that merchandise processing on the merchandise that went out there was there any way looking at that merchandise looking at that teacup that they could go right back to the author's webpage, like it had a website on it or what, on the book on the book, on the napkins, on whatever. That
5: was <laughs> metaphorical. <laughs> metaphorical. No, but I'm saying,
0: I understand. I was metaphorical. Well, if we're going to get into, you know. Uh, but if we're going to get into Star Wars <laughs> swag and Star Wars merchandise. But what i was going to go with what I'm trying to say is, everything you do as a writer. You, If you're going to comment on someone's blog. If you're going to post a blog. If you are going to comment on even a CNN article out there as an expert in something, you want to be able to tie your comment right back to your web page.
4: Oh, absolutely. Sign every email with it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Sign
0: every email with it. Kioskly give it out. Have have business cards with it and so forth. Sliding also, if you are a non-fiction writer and you are doing some type of presentation somewhere, like... Peter, let's say he's doing a presentation on World War II. People are going to want his book because they want to take a piece of him home with them if they really enjoyed his talk and his wife does not want to release him physically. <laughs> they, they really do want to take a book. So if you are doing nonfiction, have a book. If you are writing fiction, get yourself at, into panels at conventions and have a book. Because once again, if you've never gone to a convention where there's writers... You're in for a treat, go. They usually will talk a lot about the industry, but again, the audience wants to take home something of that person. And if you don't have any books, if you don't get the books distributed there, you're losing out on a chance for a sale. Even if you are an unknown, when you go in, somebody just discovered you, and now you have that chance. And in the process of all our talking, Kathleen,
8: you're my co host, has been Hello, here. Kathleen.
6: Nice of you to show up.
0: So, quick oh, introduction, thanks. Kathleen. <laughs>
8: Um, my name is Kathleen Kayembe. I write under the pen name Kaseka and Vida. Um, GLBT romance, paranormal fun stuff, urban fantasy. Yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm.
1: Kaseka Yay.
0: and Vida. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on with that. What were so we talking about? Let's kind
3: of jump into because something. We were talking a little bit about the previous kinds of marketing where you mm-hmm. would do some packaging and get, get your books into stores, which was really successful for a long time. And a lot of things are changing now, and one of the things that I I have really liked the best, uh, you know, both as um, starting out with a small press and now I'm into becoming a hybrid author because I've got my book out um, through CreateSpace now, so it's independent. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, one of the biggest things for me has been Goodreads. And, you know, things like Goodreads and uh, Library... Uh, what is it called? Library Journal, whatever it's called. Anyway, um, there's there's about a half a dozen of different sites, but Goodreads is the biggest one. It has millions of readers. And this is a way where you can kind of get to the people who really do like the kind of book that you write, and they can sign up to follow your blog. And not only that, but, I mean, they, they do interviews with authors every once in a while, and so you can actually sit down and have an interview with one of the Big-time authors that you like as well, so it, it's kind of exciting that we have this capability to do these kind of things now.
0: Let me ask this question, Brad. You're you're a traditional publisher, and you talked a little while ago about going out and having these um, platforms or these packages for writers to to advertise them. Mm-hmm. As traditional publisher, you basically you probably get them to go to various events. And the writer has to push themselves, and you put them in a catalog. Self publishers are independent publishers, I should say. They usually have to do all this on their own. Right. But is there outside of the catalog, which a lot of times not always, but a lot of times the independent publishers can't get into and the catalogue for my for our listeners are is a catalogue that gets sent to the big Dame bookstores, your libraries and so forth, the list hey we're a publisher and here's all the books we've got coming out and quick brief descriptions of those books i take it yes so the question is is there a difference in how to market between the two because i don't want to bring up the whole entire argument between donald mays and the self-publishers but the thrust of that was well the traditional publishing is broken self is better no traditional is better we do all this other stuff for you but when we Pull aside the opinions, when we pull aside the money, which is huge on both sides for advertising, yes. the process of that advertising, is there any difference? Okay,
7: there is a difference. Uh, it comes on many levels, uh, and on some of them, I would say there's less of a difference than you'd think. Um, so the first is money. Um, your big traditional publishers on your biggest books, and these are the big guys that everyone 's going to read I mean they literally have fifty to a hundred thousand dollar marketing budget. That's the marketing budget. That's None of us could ever hope to, to do that, and and I myself at Blank Slate Press have nowhere near that kind of a marketing budget. I'd love one, but no. Um, so maybe someday. Uh, yes, someday that'd be nice. Um, but the the kicker is, so you have the catalog, and the catalog is probably the biggest one. As David was saying, that catalog gets you in front of the biggest buyers. Um, every distributor puts out a catalog. Um, so, and it's your distributor really who's doing the catalog, and so they're you know the buyers are really going to just a couple of distributors distributors going through all their catalogs and that's what they choose there are ways for self pubbers to get into that um, you can go through ingram and stuff like that if you can get distribution through or listed through various ways through ingram um, but the point is is then you're going towards the back of the catalog does that matter if it's a good book with good sales no mm-hmm. um, and that's the kicker if it's a good book with good sales it's going to help sell um it's really still up to the author to really push a book um the kicker is with a publishing house uh is that not only are you pushing yourself but then you have somebody else pushing you and they're not just pushing you they're pushing you and everyone else who's an author within their house um and then most of those authors are then pushing everyone within their house so you've already got a built-in network that network goes out to others can you build your own network of course. Um, you know, and that's the point of self-publishing. You can do a lot of this work yourself and probably should be doing a lot of this work. Um, the kicker is, is, is there anyone else doing some of that work for you? Um, and for most selfers, no, but that's not bad. I mean, to be honest, in this day and age, you're only going to get so much help from any publisher you go with, um. They're doing a lot, you know, publishing houses do, you know, they'll hold events. They'll maybe arrange some signings for you, maybe help you get some signings. More importantly, maybe they're going to pack in three or four of their authors to a signing. You know, agencies do this, too, if you're with an agency. Uh, agencies will often arrange an event that, that has all their, you know, the agent's clients there. Um, so, and, you know, an event with three or four writers is probably going to bring more people to it than an event with one writer. But, you know, it really is about sales, it really is about your push, it really is about your online presence, as we were talking before. You know, that, that's really the core of everything. And that's all marketing, so.
6: It seems to me like, uh, for the individual author, like, it would be nice if you could get into the, uh, the publishing house just because it's, like, extra stuff but no real cost, it doesn't seem no, like. Well, the cost is all, I mean, of course there's cost, and it, every publisher More puts for his do. cost, but the
7: kick is, you don't, you're not fronting that cost. So that cost is probably going to come out of your royalties a bit. It's also going to come out of, you know, not all of it. I mean, you know, some of it's about the sales and what the publisher makes. But, yeah, none of that cost is to you. Right. And if you're with an even bigger house, then you got your in advance, and it's until you make out that advance, and then you'll start making more money on
6: it. But if you don't get in there, like, as the individual author, it's like, well, either your choices are you go a self-route or you give up.
2: Yeah, well, there are the smaller presses, which are very important these days, uh, and
7: that's still traditional publishing. I mean, it is Blank Slate Press is nowhere near like any of the big boys, but in terms of how we're structured, there's no difference.
2: But in a sense, you're a little more accessible than oh yeah, yeah. than Simon and Schuster. Oh yeah, well, yeah. and I'm more you're willing, willing to take to... risks on certain
7: books than Simon and Schuster is because I don't that's care all if all a need. book you know if a book doesn't necessarily sell as well as all the other books on my list. I'm okay with that, because I, if I'm putting out your book, it's a really good book, and I'm mm-hmm. 100% behind it, and I really think it's a great book, so I want to see it in print form. But if it doesn't sell as well as the other, like, ten titles I have, I'm kind of okay with that. Now, Simon & Schuster, or one of the big guys, they're going to be a lot less okay if that book does not make money, because that's a huge part of their planned-out budget. They can't devote more money, and they may not pick up your next book. Mm-hmm. because you didn't sell as well as the other, you know, people they had going that year. So there, there's a difference on that level of, you know, because they're playing with a lot more money and a lot more risk, uh, you know, that,
0: to be honest, there's a lot more at stake. And with in, that, a big, I'll, big I'll house. let us jump in here because I know you want to say, it, say right. something, but I'm just going to underline what one thing Brad's saying. To the big houses, if you sell 100,000 books, you're doing good. If you sell, say, 20,000 Twenty thousand books, not as good, and may not pick up the next one. If you are at a small press and you sell twenty thousand books, that's similar in yeah. success to the hundred thousand books I mentioned a moment ago. Go ahead, Jim.
1: Well, I just wanted to.
0: I'd be flipping cartwheels. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> up to and some... down the street. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see that. I want video. No, no, Sorry. I just wanted to note that it's as important for someone who's being published through Simon and Schuster to run all their own marketing. It is. Because the way we're talking, it sounds like if we you get published by one of the big guys that they're going to take your hand and help you, which for a small amount they are, they're going to get you in places that you otherwise couldn't get, mm-hmm. but they're not going to give you a publicist, and they're not going to yeah. to help you... You know,
7: well, you're more than, likely yeah. to get that at a big house, but you're right. Even at the big house, until you make it big, you're only going to get maybe $10,000 chucked at your book instead of $150,000 chucked at your book. And if you um, get a publicist, it's only
0: going to be for a very short duration yeah, yeah. now, long term.
1: Yeah, I was under the impression, just from what research I've done and mm-hmm. lectures there. I've attended, that it's uh, they, they talk a big game... But there is some validity to doing it yourself. Oh yeah, no, no, you because still you're going to do just as much work when you get published by a big author, and then you'll have, or a big publisher, and then you'll have even more work on top of that See, because you have to maintain those contracts. The kicker is, here. is
7: that a publisher is not a publicist,
1: mm-hmm.
7: and that that's the kicker. A publisher is there really to make certain you have the best possible product that can be made, because that's the most important thing: is that that book is perfect. It's got a beautiful cover. It's got all the right stuff that it's supposed to have. You know, that's a publisher's job. For no other stuff, that's what a publisher does. Now, the publicity is part of that and gets folded in. But to be truthful and honest, a publisher is not a publicist. Mm -hmm. And the author is the publicist. Mm -hmm. And has that always been the case? No. Is that the case now? Yes. And it's very much the case. But that's the way, you know, that's almost better. Because who's better at, you know, pushing your book than the person who loves it most? Now, a lot of ideas should be generated and other stuff like that that other people can help you with. You know, is it a lot of work? Heck yeah. But, you know, to be honest, the, publishing, the publisher is about the book and you are about your marketing.
1: Bringing it back to the, the debate between sell yourself or sell your book. Would you say going through a traditional publisher leans more toward the sell-your-book side? Or are they going to deal with selling yourself if, they're, if you're not Tom Clancy? Okay,
7: in terms of, uh, in terms of the big five, mm-hmm. what you're really going to see most is that they sell the, the story. They mm-hmm. sell the book. Now, they do that until the author becomes so big... That that is ne- not necessarily the case anymore. If you look at somebody like James Patterson, mm-hmm. I, I don't really I can't tell you what his next five books are going to be that are coming out next month or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, but my you know,
1: grandfather will buy them.
7: Yes, a lot of people are going to buy them, and they're going to buy them because it says James Patterson. As you were saying, you know Stephen King's name is bigger than the title of his books yeah. and some of his things, and they do that because that's branding the author. But you know, in terms of some of the other books that you'll read, you know. Uh, the Harry Potter series is hard to say that with because J.K. Rowling's super huge. But, mm-hmm. you know, the book is really what got pushed. And, you know, well, in let's terms of Divergent.
1: A, let's or, use Divergent as an example. Yeah, yeah. It's breaking really big on the world right now because it's got a movie coming out. Exactly. But it existed before the movie. Yes. And it and, was being pushed for its genre and yeah. its story more yes. so than its author. It's
6: feeding off of uh, Hunger Games. Hunger Games, Hunger Games yeah. Twilight branding, uh, Mortal Instruments. Of- all that yeah. kind of thing. Of course,
5: that's but, all the same genre. They're actually reasonably different books. I mean, they all have... They have the
7: But the point is is that it's not that they're the same book. The point right. is that, you know, they're running a similar theme, and more importantly... and Hitting this a similar is, demographic. Th- this yeah. is hard to say in front of a table like this, because we're all authors and we love books, but <laughs> the majority of people probably could not name the five or six authors of yeah. the books that we have just named. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they can name the book Divergent. Everyone loves Divergent, but do they know who wrote it? Not necessarily. And, however, with Stephen King novels, that's, you know, I don't even necessarily know the titles of all the Stephen King books because I'm like, I know the story, and I know it's Stephen King.
4: I'd like to say something. Hmm. That is, <laughs> <laughs> that, I, don't know. That I think there are a lot of independent writers out there who are doing something right. Mm-hmm. Now, I know a lot of people don't think Hugh Halley's, Numbers really add up to much or to make a lot of sense. But this is what he said about the 7,000 bestsellers in Amazon's most popular fiction genres. That was mystery, thriller, sci-fi, fantasy, and romance. And his results for that one particular day, which he may have cherry-picked, I certainly think he might have, (laughs) showed 35% of the titles were self-published and another 18% were by a single author with no publisher listed. And uh, check my edition here, that's 45, 53%, more than half of the top 7,000 bestsellers at Amazon were not from the big house. That's all e no, Those so are all e oh, Okay, okay yeah. I, I think the way he gets that is,
5: I suspect, no, no, well, real the first to up most of the sales. No, 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 <laughs> no, if you want to, check
7: it out. Um, uh, Digital Book World put out their response to Hugh Howard's numbers. Uh, questioning them and saying why they questioned them. So you can read the Digital Book World blog. David had a uh, link in the last one about those numbers. Uh, Are they true? It it doesn't matter almost in a sense. Um, What it really represents, though, is that, and what Howie's numbers show is that, yet again, of self-publishing, the people who make the superstar ranks, and this is true for traditional publishing, and this is true for self-publishing, the people who make the superstar money, the people who make the best, represent the smallest chunk of the industry. You know, the the people who sit on every bookshelf in every Barnes & Noble, they represent 1% or so of all the writers.
6: The 1%! You know, <laughs> Hugh Howey and <laughs>
7: Joseph Conrad, and the other, you know, Amanda Hawking and some of the other self-pubbers who've sold over a million books and everything, they represent 1% of self-publishing. Mm-hmm. So when you it doesn't it almost doesn't matter the rules and it doesn't matter the the money it doesn't matter the numbers when you come down to it the top successful most successful people in anything are still going to represent the smallest number of that industry it doesn't matter it's just i don't know
8: okay so um I'm not sure if this has been covered yet, but it sounds like there's been a lot of marketing talk and um, Mm -hmm. big publisher talk. And something that I had wanted to talk about um, when we previously had a conversation on self versus traditional publishing was how what we write and why we wrote it determine how we choose to publish it or if we choose to publish it. Um, Because like there's Charles DeLint, he's got an open pen name to publish books that uh, are not in his usual genre. They're darker than his usual fantasy. But you know, people know it's him, and he also sends out chapbooks every year to friends and family in lieu of a Christmas card. Mm-hmm. So that's publishing, and there's all kinds of other things that people do, like publishing stories online on their websites for free. Well,
5: so, so you were Fedora was just mentioning at the very beginning that. Uh, when she uh, wrote, writes a short story, it gets sent off to contests because yeah. you don't publish short stories. It has everything else to do with yeah. it.
8: But for the writers that do, like, yeah. how do you even classify them, and should should you bother? And well, I think you should definitely bother because you'll confuse your audience if you don't. Well. But-
7: well, to her word. I mean, the, the beauty of the, of the time we live in exactly. is that you can publish anything and you can publish it in so many different ways that if you want to send a chapbook out to all your friends and family at Christmas, which, by the way, is a great idea. I'm going to start stealing that. I
1: totally <laughs> want to do that.
7: Um, but yeah, so if you want to do that, that's fine. But the expectation is that that chapbook is going to go just to your friends and family. You know, it, it's not like you're expecting that chapbook to then suddenly take off and become a New York Times bestseller. You know, and and that's the ticket. So know exactly where you're going. Like we were talking the last time with uh, Peter's book. You know, Peter's got two very different books. Uh, one of which, you know, went through a traditional house, L and L Dreamspell. You know, your mystery, your Patrick McKenna mysteries. Right. And then also you have, you know, your memoir about your dad, right. which you tried to get into a bunch of different houses and it didn't work. But the point is, is that you know, that's because a lot of people probably didn't want to take on, you know, a memoir or whatever. But to be honest, that's a great book. I've read it, mm-hmm. and it should have come Thank out. It, it deserved to come out, and the beauty is we live in a time when it can come out. You know, well, it did come out
2: once with yeah. an independent press, but no, that's now a good I'm point. trying to go
7: broader. Yes, right? yeah. but and that's the beauty part, is that you have those options, and we're so filled with options in this day and age. Right. On a
8: related note to those options, though, um, you chose to publish it with a small press and there are people who will choose to publish with a smaller press and then they'll go to a bigger one. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what influences your decision maybe to publish one story with a smaller press and not necessarily even look to bigger ones versus or, shopping something around? To or big houses. let
0: or, me add to that, let me add a level to that question. And excuse me if I go into using a sports related uh, what's, metaphor.
1: What's sports?
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, but is. Being with the smaller press, being the proverbial playing in the in the miners. farm miners in the farm league, and then you're you're building up until you can go to the big league of five of five presses.
3: Um. I was just reading something today about
2: what should you put
3: in your query letter. Like, if you are querying an agent or you're querying a big publisher, should you put in there that you've been self-published? And their rule of thumb was only if you've been really successful. And they had some information there about how to gauge your success. You know, Mm -hmm. if you had more than 5,000 books sold or or whatever, that would be pretty much the yardstick you use. I'm grateful they take them at all. I know. Yeah, that's kind
6: of how I'm feeling about it. It's like, I... I don't really have the luxury of deciding which and where, you know? It's mm-hmm. kind of just whatever you can grab at a certain right. level. Right.
2: And the other thing, to answer your question, Kathleen, is uh, time is a factor. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm. it took me ten years to know what I now know, get two books out, and, and the third one would have been out, but the publisher died. So I sort of had to start yeah. <laughs> over with my mysteries. But... Uh, Time now. I have to decide whether I want to wait uh, a year or two through the vetting process of an agent, if I should be so lucky to get one, and and a, then the agent has to sell it to a, a publisher, and and that could take two or three years before we ever see this book. I could have that book out next month because it's all ready to go. And, and so, frankly, you know, I'm not getting any younger here, so I'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> maybe it makes sense to get it out there, see how many people I can get to like it, public, uh, you know, publicize the heck out of it, and, and see where I can go with it.
7: Time, time, I mean, that's, and, and this is where Conrath and, and Howery were right. I mean, mm-hmm. time is the big nice. crux in in big publishing, traditional publishing. That's their problem yeah. because it does take at least a year for a book to come out. Sometimes two, depending upon at which point in the process
6: your book gets put into the queue. Does
8: that mean ain't mm-hmm. nobody got time for that? Oh God.
6: <laughs> well, they're institutions, you know. They're well, it, there's that's, a lot. Their nature is yeah. to be sort of solid. Nice, you two are high fiving over there. Um, <laughs> sort of solid and slow and not easily like toppled they're not going to take you know big uh, unnecessary risks and that's why they're still around is that they kind of play yeah. it safe and
2: slow well yeah, and they do it well you know their motto must be we grind slow but exceedingly fine <laughs> the kicker it's here like no, no, the reason it takes tower. long no, here it, it, it is crushes. the reason it takes
7: long for about 2 years or whatever is because they're selling the book before it comes out And for most self-pubbers, and for most, you know, the way the new model is to sell the book once it comes out. Mm -hmm. You know, the old model has always been the book gets sold before it comes out. Uh Walmart's already put in its order for hundreds of thousands of copies before that book ever hit the shelf. That's the way traditional publishing, the big five, really
6: work. Offload the risk onto the local bookstores and all everyone well, else. Well, it's, it's, it's
7: about knowing if it's a hit or not. If, if, if Target wants it, Mar- Walmart wants it, Barnes & Noble wants it, you know you've got a mega hit. You've already sold a couple of hundred thousand copies. The book's already sold. The money's already made. You run it to the printer. Boom, it's done. It's you know. But that took time. you got to get it in a catalog. You get it in front of those buyers. Those buyers have to make those decisions. You know, All of that is where that built-in amount of time comes from. Plus, then there's the working on the book and all that kind of stuff. But it really is all that selling ahead of time, you know. And and that's the difference. Whereas for most, and you're right, a self-pubber can have a book out in a couple of months, and it's a great product and it's right. And then they're going to push it everywhere they can. And and that's the difference. That's really that that fundamental difference. There is the book being
0: sold before it comes out, or is the
7: book being sold once it's out?
0: Let me ask this question of the group. Before we run out of time, I know we're getting close to the end. But we're not there yet.
6: The owl is not here. <sighs>
0: the owl's yeah. Um, what pretending pretending for example that I am brand new to this game, which I'm not, but pretend for a second. And I come up to you, any of you, and say, "What are the dangers of being self pub or being traditional pub? Are there dangers in it? Is there oh, yeah. people to be aware of? Is there landmines?" Ooh, predators, and
7: editors. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's start off with the big one, and that is your vanity presses that are going to charge mm-hmm. you several thousand dollars straight up front to give you a book. And, and check all of them on Predators and Editors because there are too many to list.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. There's and then- a fight for that. And there
4: are, yeah. there yeah. are agents that demand fees for absolutely everything that yeah. they, you really shouldn't have to
7: no, pay. You should never pay. The the kicker is always you should never pay. You should always be paid. Now, in the self publishing model, that is you should always hire, and you should never just, you know, you should have an invoice for that, not just hand over a bunch of money to somebody.
0: Agreed. And um, stepping back for just a second, we said predators and editors. For the listener, if you don't know what that is, it is a website that lists predators that are in the publishing industry, agents, and so forth. And predator is spelled P-R-E then the word editor. Yeah, predatorsandeditors.com
2: yep. pred-ed.com. Yeah, preded.com Preded.com Predator is actually spelled like editor yeah, which we'll is sing. a predator. misspelling of yes. predator
1: uh-huh.
8: Could we link
5: but
1: that on funny. our
8: Facebook page?
1: I'll say
2: about that
8: Yeah. Um, I'd like to go back to something that Peter said about time being a factor in how he chose to publish his, his book I think that success and um, someone's idea of success everyone's differs so something that A person who absolutely wants to be in the spotlight thinks is terrible sales. Someone who just, you know, wanted their voice to be heard would be, like, pretty stoked. So, um, I don't know that everybody is wanting to, as you said, David, go to small publishers to build up to bigger ones. Mm
1: -hmm. Like, Mm. there
8: are a lot of factors in it, and I don't know. I was
5: talking to someone um, at a writing conference, and uh, she wrote a book. It seemed pretty good. I didn't read the actual book, but it mm-hmm. seemed like it had a real good shot of actually getting published at least a uh, small press. Mm-hmm. She sent it. She didn't try and shop it to agents. She sent it directly to publishers, and she said she got a couple of offers from publishers and chose the better one. Now, I don't know if she sent it to vanity presses or actual legitimate small presses, mm-hmm. but either way, she was happy to have her book out. Mm-hmm. She didn't particularly want to get—she didn't care so much— that it was the best place to publish it, that it was a place to publish it that got a, you know, the book out that she
8: She wanted wanted out. She wanted an audience. She didn't want a specific audience type or an everyone in the world audience. Well, she didn't care
5: about the everyone in the world, but I mean, I think she, she wanted to see her book in print. Yeah. And making money was probably secondary. I don't know if it cost her anything or not,
8: but... Thank you for saying that. Oh my goodness. A lot of the marketing and publication talk has been about money, and I've been just kind of sitting here like, but I just want to write things. I think it's fun, and it's great to put stuff out there, but if that takes away all of your writing time, no. The kicker
7: is your book should make back the investment. Otherwise, you're hurting yourself.
4: Well, there's an emotional investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
7: if there's an emotional investment, you're in for that. That I would love it. it. I mean, to have your book in your
4: Why would you write something
8: unless you were enjoying it? At least at the beginning. Because how are you going to publish the next thing? Why do you want to publish anything?
7: No, no, no. Okay. The next thing you write, how are you going to publish it? Do you want let, to
0: publish let, it? Let me play IRS. That's the
8: thing.
0: Well, the <laughs> following <laughs> is not coming from anybody who is an attorney or who is involved with the IRS. I have to say that because I am a paralegal. Um, that way, I don't get myself in jail for some of the stuff I could say. Um, but it all depends, really, Kathleen, on what you're saying. Depends on what are you doing with your writing. Are you treating it like a business? In other words, you're taking taxes off from your income tax for various business expenses, or are you treating it like a hobby? There are plenty of people. Let me step out of publishing for a second. There are plenty of people who do crafts. It's a hobby for them. But they go to the craft shows, and they sell their stuff. Do they take that off their taxes? Well, if it's a hobby, technically they shouldn't. And I, I'm not... In the field, I can even give any advice to that. But if you are going into the writing as a business, then it turns around up to you and you've got to treat it like a business. If you're not doing it that way, then you can end up in a lot of trouble with yourself, your readership, if you have an agent or a publisher, and as well as with the big ugly people wearing gold shields to come up and knock on your door and say, we're going to do a tax audit.
8: Not the fraud police, then.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah, nobody's going to show up on show up a clipboard and say you're not a writer, if that's what you mean. Okay, I want to get into that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um,
8: I'm guessing then we are talking about people who choose to write as a business. And not everybody writes full-time. I don't know how people manage to only write and maintain, maintain some kind of creative sense of fun and imagination and, you know, because for me, if I was doing that, I would be thinking, oh, no, is this publishable? First sentence, gone. No, no, can't do this. Is this publishable?
0: Oh, no, I can't write this either.
1: You just defined my life. <laughs> well, and actually, I don't the case.
0: And before you get to your question, not only did you just define Jennifer's life, a lot of those, oh, I'm sorry, I, I can't, I, let me avoid that. Several writers or several authors I've spoken to who have gotten that big signing, and now they've got three books that they have got to put out after their first one got accepted run exactly into that mental mindset of, oh my God, oh my God, am I able to really do this? And some of those are big name um, New York Best Times bestsellers that have run into that question and think that they're pulling off a fraud. They're not a writer. They're not Uh at that level yet. Here they are.
2: Okay, but psychological hang-ups aside, Uh uh, what I have read and uh, comes up again and again by writers who've been around for a while and have a number of books is the more books you manage to put out there of good quality they have to be Mm -hmm. of good quality uh the more likely you are to sell uh i noticed when i put out my second book there was a lot of interest in my first one so Mm -hmm. i only have two to uh, you know that have been out there to compare but but they say you have three or four and suddenly it gets a lot more interesting
6: your next book will always help sell Every book you've books. ever written. Yeah, because if somebody new finds you, they go, oh, I wonder yep. what else he's got in his backlog. And
7: this mm-hmm. is why series books do so well. Right, mm-hmm. Because the third in the series will sell the first two.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: that's kind of my theory about trying to get my short stories out there. That's my project this year, is to try to get... I've got a backlog of short stories... Okay. They run shorts on Kindle, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and audiobooks. And you can do audiobooks for free, uh, cooperating with actresses and actors, which is fabulous. And Jaguar Hope
7: is awesome, so totally
3: get it. (laughs) So anyway, I'm I'm getting out all my short stories, a lot of which have won contests, because that's what I do with my short stories as well. And uh, so Mm. I'm trying to say, okay, this is the year I'm going to try to get as much stuff out as I can while I'm working on the next book, and uh, then hopefully... You know, by the time that this next book comes out, I'll have enough stuff out there to where I can use that to leverage some interest in my new book. Because it is a tough go to try to find your audience. It's really hard. I mean, even with all the wonderful tools there are out there and all the great friends that you meet when you're networking, it's difficult to find your audience. However, short
7: stories is a great way to compendium to your book. So if they're Mm -hmm. short stories that relate back to your book or relate back to the genre... That's all helping to sell the books, you know. That I mean, that's a really great marketing tool.
0: And being an author who does not like to do short stories because his mind doesn't want to think about it that way, but what Brad says correct. And another industry, they also has writers because they're screenwriters.
4: But five, another four, three, another
0: street, another five.
8: Yeah.
6: That was just the bomb, folks.
0: That was <laughs> the, yeah, this the bomb to get us to shut up. Now, um, if you look at various um, television series now, they have webisodes yep. that come out. Those are like the proverbial short stories. I'm going to end this on one quick note, and I'm going to go back to something which we were talking about just briefly here with Kathleen's last question, is um, there are a lot of times in which those who are writers that do this and we wanted to make it a business. We have a pay-your-bill business on the side. We are working for someone else usually. And we've got two full-time jobs. And a lot of times it's hard not to kill your muse in your writing process because you're going from, proverbially, from one chair to another chair. And your loved ones, your family, and that are like, who are you? I don't know you anymore. And personally, to my friends who are still out there, that still love me, even though you don't see me for a year or two, <laughs> I love you too. But it, it is, you, you guys are used to that with my, with my job, both pay bill and writing. I don't know if there's anybody here who does not have a full-time job on top of their writing unless you're retired. And I'm looking <laughs> at three full-time jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And with that, thank you everybody for listening to White Pack Radio. You can find us on Twitter at Right Pack Radio. You can also find us on Facebook. Just look up Right Pack Radio, three words, as well as on Blog Talk Radio. Theme songs for Right Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her. Right Pack Radio would like to thank STL Books for allowing us to record in their office. STL Books is an online bookstore specializing in new and used, high-quality literature, children's books, and books written by or about St. Louis. Please visit them online at www.stlbooks.com or find their store on the Amazon.com website. <music>